Welcome to Couch Convo's Biz and Tech Talks. This is John Cackley. I've got Narendra Sundaram with me as co-host, and today we're talking with Eric Galuzzo, Becky Gandolin, and Jeff Alto about Centric's recent tech conference, Camp I.O. All right. Well, good morning. Thank you, Becky, Jeff, Eric, for jumping on today, and Narendra for being my uh, co-host as usual. Much appreciated. So today we're talking about Camp I.O., and I'm going to start, Eric. Now, are you the uh, are you the owner host of Camp IO, or are you just the spokesman? What's uh, what's your connection to it? Yeah, I guess I'm the host now, uh, officially the MC. I'm not exactly sure what it's called. Okay. <laughs> so I, I attended it enthusiastically for years, and then a couple years ago, the organizers of Camp IO uh, asked me if I would like to host it, and so I was like. I would love to, even though I'm probably terrible at this, but sure. Uh, so yes, I've been uh, doing it now. This is my second year doing it, so it's been a blast. So you see what enthusiasm gets you. You know, you get volunteered yeah. for things. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, that, that, that'll uh, uh, serves me right, I suppose. All right, so you know, we've done one or two before on Camp IO podcast, but for people maybe haven't heard about it before, can you sort of summarize what is Camp IO? Sure. Camp.io is basically our internal tech conference at Centric. It's a little different, I would say, than your typical tech conferences. Uh, of course, partially it's all Centric people, you know, that kind of goes without saying. But uh, also, we put a lot of value and focus, I would say, on kind of innovation. So it's not necessarily... In fact, it's not ever really. Here's an interesting client project I did. In fact, we the the during the submission process, we actually kind of weed out the, the, the <laughs> presentations that are about you know our service offerings and industry verticals. Like those are great, and we all love them. But this is about cool stuff that we're doing on the side, right? So uh, Jeff and and Becky, for example, and we had you know uh, great presentations from like Zach Tesler, uh, you know Tracy Dixon, uh, other people that that uh, were about just fascinating subjects like how to use AI to uh, define new cocktails to drink, uh, and you know produced really good results too. Even the names and pictures and everything, you know, that was from Zach. Now. I, I um, say that because Zach isn't on this call to represent his talk. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to spoil uh, the, 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 you know, Jeff's and Becky's presentations for you. Um, but yeah, we, we really focus a lot on innovation, on the cool stuff we're doing on the side. I've heard from a lot of people that we talk a, a lot about stuff at Camp.io before it becomes mainstream, you know, kind oh, of bleeding okay. edge uh, new stuff. There's there's a lot of other reasons that we have Camp IO too. So, you know, one thing that we don't get to do a whole lot is just hang out uh, with our fellow centric geeks, right? Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, I, I don't mean to cast aspersions on on, on the people gathered here today. I think we uh, all identify with that, so I think we're good here. Uh, okay, good, probably good. <laughs> dodged a bullet here. We we really get to see each other. I mean, we we see each other a lot in the same business unit. We often have you know business unit meetings and stuff. But you know, when do you get to get to get, when do you get to get together? Is that does that make sense? Anyway, I love it. Roll with it. Great. When do you get to get together with uh, all of your fellow, you know, geeks across the company, right, across the country, and even in Centric India, right? We, we've, in past years, we've flown, uh, you know, folks in from Centric India uh, to participate as well. Not the entire practice, you know, we don't probably have the budget to fly, you know, 600 people in. But, uh, you know, that's that's a big part of it, too. So so there's there's a lot of a lot of reasons that we hold Camp IO. We also just kind of like to do fun stuff uh, sure. for our, for our employees and our technologists. And so uh, so so those are some of the many reasons that we that we do this every year. All right. So this year, how many presentations were there? There were six. Uh, we were originally going to have eight. Uh, Donnie, who's one of our principal architects, uh, bowed out because he was going on his honeymoon. And for some reason, I don't know, he said that this honeymoon thing was more important than Camp I.O. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm the, the Yeah, I mean, we're about balance. You have to, you know. Yeah, so. right, I guess. Yeah. 
But no, he, he actually did say he was going to give his Camp.io presentation as like a bonus webinar sometime, maybe in November or whatever. But so we're, right. we're, we're still waiting to hear about that. Uh, and then the other one sort of dropped out at the last minute. So unfortunately, we weren't able to kind of scramble and find a replacement for, for them at the last minute. Right. So we ended up having uh, six. All right. So Jeff and Becky have been anointed as what are they? The winners, best presentations. How is that determined? Yeah. So what happens is after all the presentations happen, I start running my mouth again. Uh, at the end, we have a wrap up and we voted this year in three categories. So everyone who's in the wrap up call gets a, a link to a survey. Uh, we spend two minutes uh, voting. Uh, this year we had three categories. We had most useful, most innovative, and best of show. Becky won most useful. Uh, and Jeff's presentation won both the most innovative and best of show. Oh, um, and I do right. have to give a shout out to Zach again for being like second or third place in uh, in pretty much every category. So, um, okay, he had a great presentation too. Okay, so uh, we're, I'm really excited now to hear about both presentations. But before we do, you know, this is coming. So during oh, the summer no. meeting, there was a video that was shown to introduce Camp.io. Uh, the only person appearing in the video was was you, Eric, although multiplied by four times. You did a split screen accompaniment of yourself in sort of a barbershop quartet arrangement singing about Camp I.O. And I loved it. Yes. I, I, I think everybody loved it. Uh, but I want to know more. I want to know the story behind the story. So whose idea was that? That was my idea. Uh, right. And I wrote it and I filmed it and I – did it all myself, basically. So you're not uh, blaming anybody else for this. I'm not blaming anyone else. <laughs> and yeah, so I <laughs> I guess it's not a little known fact anymore, but I, I compose mostly classical and orchestral music on the side. So barbershop isn't really my jam, but when I, I mentioned I mentioned something about best day of the centric year to one of my coworkers, I think it was Tim Arts, and he said, "Wow, that sounds like a, a barbershop song or something." I was like, "Hmm." There you uh -huh. go. <laughs> Inspiration strikes. Great yeah, ideas come exactly. from anywhere, right? That's awesome. Yep, yep. So I actually decided to. So I so I spent a, actually a fair while writing the lyrics, trying to figure out like which of the presentations that were on Degreed I could like, uh, uh, you know, get a screenshot of that would that would go in this video, you know what I mean? And then how do I make it all rhyme? And I had some kind of sketchy rhymes in there, but whatever, you know, it's, it, it, it all, it all worked out. Um, so uh, yeah, that, that was, that was the uh, impetus for the video. I was actually originally planning to show the video at the beginning of my Camp IO kickoff, but I wow. showed it to Sean and Aaron and uh -huh. Joey and Abby and you know the the planning crew for Camp IO and they they liked it and thought that it would be uh, neat to show it as kind of a, an ad for Camp IO at the summer meeting. Right, I'm hoping that we can add it, you know, so that it will accompany this podcast. But <laughs> we'll see. Uh, you probably have all these rights locked away, so we can't put it out there on the central website. Yeah, I mean, you'll have to talk to my agent. My recording contract may prohibit you. From, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'll, uh, I think I may be able to send you like an MP3 or something if you really want. But yeah. Well, I would go through marketing. I don't need the copy. But oh, the MP3. It's, uh, yeah. All right. Cool. So I, we, we all thank you for that. And I think it's another great sign of, you know, centric of people bringing everything about themselves to uh, to centric and I really appreciate that uh, I, so I, I can only speak for myself but that yeah. it ended up getting shared among people in my orbit that are well beyond centric so it's it's <laughs> it's cool enough that it's uh, it's worth sharing broadly yeah uh, yeah I was gonna say I showed it at home later that evening after I saw it and my kids were walking around singing the best day of centric year so <laughs> it's catchy. <laughs> That that is no that question. is the that's the best compliment that I've heard yet about it. I, I, I think so, so Eric, if you ever get tired of this whole centric thing, now you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Songwriting. There we go. All right. Go. So let's get into these great presentations. So, Becky, can you, you just sort of kick off? Uh, 
you know, what was your presentation on and, you know, start taking us, uh, give us sort of the, the uh, flyby view. The flyby we'll, we'll view. Sure. So anyone that knows me knows I am a Disney nerd. So I've been called a geek and a nerd on this podcast already. This is going well for me. Uh, so in addition to my already busy life as consultant and mom of two young kids, I have a hobby, which basically means I do this after my children are in bed each night where I analyze Disney data, specifically from the theme parks in the U.S., and I figure out how you can optimize your Disney trip. So whenever you hear the word optimize, that typically means some data science is going on behind the scenes. So how to use machine learning, some pretty simple tools actually, to not only figure out what days of the year, best day of the year theme, there we go, best day of the year to visit Disney, where you're gonna have the fewest crowds, where you're gonna spend the least money. But then once you're there, down to like the minute slash attraction level and where do you go when so that you're avoiding that herd mentality and doing all of the same fun attractions but in a way that makes you not wait in line for six hours out of your day uh, and hopefully have a more enjoyable time. So on the Camp I.O. presentation I walked through some of how I do that, a lot of the results and framed it in a way that really talked about how do you present really technical, complicated information in a way that's fun and approachable to average Disney vacationers who are not technical or nerdy at all and just want to go not have to spend quite as much of their money and not be in herds of people all day. So this All fun. right. Cool. So now we talked about this, gosh, I don't know, a year ago, we talked about your presentations and as part of your data storytelling. Yeah. Uh, so what What's new in Disney data? You know, are oh, you getting goodness. new sources, uh, new things you're able to study? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe not as much new sources as new Disney policies. So a year yeah. out, a ton more restaurants and things are opening up. I think last year, probably at the time we talked, they had just introduced their new paid way to get around lines. Uh, and at that point, it was $15 per day per person. And I had gotten to the point like last week <laughs> where I had a year's worth of data and I could start making some good predictions about when that was $15 was going to be worth it, what you should use it on. And of course, like right as we hit that year mark, Disney converted that from being $15 a day to being variably priced. Uh, and See, they were looking at the same data. They had right? the same data, right? <laughs> yeah, variably priced. And bonus, they don't announce the price until the day you're not allowed to purchase it in advance. You can't purchase it as part of your vacation package. They don't announce the pricing until midnight of the day when you need to buy it. And so there's no good way. And so that happened a week ago. I have seven days worth of data about the pricing. Uh -huh. And they're just toying. It's like they're rolling one of those D20s. And they're like, what will the price? <laughs> like, there is so far no pattern. And so, of course, they've just thrown me for a loop where I'm like, well, I can't tell you if it's going to be worth it to purchase it because I can't even tell you how much it's going to cost. Good luck, average Disney well, customer. <laughs> well, we need to set a hurdle rate, right? You say on this right. day, an acceptable price is seven fifty. Yes. Yes. And so that's right. sort of the tact I've been taking. So actually, we're recording this on October 18th. On October 19th is the one year release date of this program called Genie. And I have an article about how much time you can expect to save at each park, at each crowd level. And if that number is worth it to you at whatever price gets announced, then go for it. But otherwise, I can't help make any more judgment <laughs> calls beyond that right. which is frustrating to me personally but i'm gonna right. i'm gonna crack the code it'll probably be in a couple months and then they'll change the program again so all right <laughs> well, how, how do you share this with the do you have a website or are you uh you yeah know, a someplace ways. where people can follow you for the latest and in insights on yeah Disney, Disney? so i I have a blog. Uh, if you just Google my name, Becky Gandel, and you'll find that pretty easily. It's called touringplans.com, and it has a blog. I also have a YouTube channel now, which is pretty new as of the last time we talked, uh, where I do a weekly or if life gets too busy every other week video talking about some of the same stuff and making it approachable. Uh, it's called Touring Plans Teaches, so I get to do a whole hokey teacher thing with a fake chalkboard behind me. So those are the two main ways that I communicate that information out. 
So has anyone from Disney ever reached out to you about uh, so what you do? Either to, to send lawyers after you or to offer you a job? <laughs> uh, the only time <laughs> uh, don't get me started on the job John we're on a centric <laughs> podcast here uh, no I won't ever work for Disney it's my fun thing it won't ever be my uh, job thing okay. lawyers though so after this paid program release so pay to get around the lines I had released a blog post and some tweets uh, about how there was a very clear demarcation pre-release day versus post-release day about how much Disney was inflating their posted wait times. So anyone that goes to Disney knows the number that you see posted when you get in line is always going to be too high because right. psychologically Disney wants you to be like, oh, look, I didn't wait as long as they told me. Right. Right. But there was this very remarkable shift pre-October 19th. You could expect to wait like 75 to 80% of what was posted in general. And that's acceptable. Post October 19th last year, that dropped to 55 to 60%. So suddenly, when Disney is offering the service to pay to skip the line, right? It also, their posted wait times make it look like you're waiting a lot longer everywhere. So that, and in their app, literally the button to pick to buy the line skipping is right next to the posted wait time. Uh, and so we had several <laughs> lawyers reach out to us the day that post and tweet went up about uh, Disney being motivated. Nothing came of it, but Disney did rearrange their app quite a bit and put more warnings about uh, you may only use this many number of reservations and posted wait times may not be accurate. So don't make your. Uh, so it eventually led to some legalese getting introduced, uh, but nothing beyond that. <laughs> wow. OK. You live an exciting yeah. life. Uh, something. <laughs> <laughs> so Narendra, do you have any other questions for Becky? Uh, both, both Jeff and Becky, I, I, I attended the all the camp bio sessions. So this is my second time I attended last week too. Uh, by far, this one was the best one. Obviously, since Eric started hosting it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I wanted, I did check out touring plans. How do you find time to? I see that people yeah. ask you, keep asking you a lot of questions. Uh -huh. <laughs> you, know, you sleep from three to four in the morning, right? Apart from this consulting. No, I am a person that is very completed to my sleep or very tight. Like I need a lot of sleep. So seven and a half, eight and a half hours, that's my goal every night. And I try to keep to that. Uh, how do I answer all of those questions quickly? Um, I don't know. I, like I said, it's mostly after my kids go to bed, my husband and I watch a movie and I'm doing my Disney stuff during that time. So we talk about sort of work-life balance, integration, all of those things. For me, I'm just juggling a few more plates <laughs> than everyone else. And really, that's the way I like it. So no one needs to feel sorry for me. Uh, but just like in the middle of a centric workday, I might go volunteer in first grade, or I might pick up my preschooler from school and take her to lunch. And then I come back and I do some centric work later on. Similarly, I have blog posts that post in the middle of the day. And I'll check, on, check in on comments a couple times throughout the day it takes like five minutes and then I make up some centric work that I need to do later in the evening so I just integrate all of that oh. and I find that it actually it gets me more excited about each piece individually I'm more appreciative of the time I get to spend on each one and so going and checking YouTube comments and responding to them then energizes me to hop back onto a client call and interact and ask cool questions right and so it all sort of blends together in a positive way all right yeah. Uh, and so we're really, I don't think we feel sorry for you. We're just uh, <laughs> amazed. But it, it actually raises a question for me. You said, you know, like doing YouTube things or doing analysis stuff while you're watching a movie. This yeah. probably sounds like, I mean, this is like a whole series of blogs, but about multitasking and flow. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe, I don't believe in multitasking, but that's partly because of, of me. I mean, I could be sitting there with a t football game on, but I'm doing something in a computer. Yeah. I don't see the football game. I'm completely <laughs> shut it out, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. not, you know, but other people say, oh, no, I can do this fine. And I don't know if it's just, you know, my wife and daughter insist they can multitask, you know, and I, I've given up being if you're going to sit here on your phone while we're watching a movie, 
I'm just going to watch what I want to watch. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but apparently but they can they can observe both of them. I don't know if it's a male female thing or just you know I I do something different. What what do you think? Yeah. I was going to stereotype and say, well, you're a dude, so uh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> no, because my husband is the same way. Like if he's watching a movie, I can't even ask him a question because he's watching the movie, right? And if he's on his phone, then he misses what the movie is, and we have to rewind or whatever the case may be. My brain goes a million miles a minute. This also probably does. Doesn't surprise anyone. And I actually work a lot better. And not even just music doesn't work. I would still work and have my brain wandering off somewhere. But if I have a movie I've seen a lot of times, I'm not going to watch the brand new blockbuster, um, a movie that I've watched a million times, a TV show that I can just vaguely pay attention to, trashy reality TV, really great to work to as a background loop. Um, okay. That actually, like, it gives enough sort of background whatever 5% of my brain is halfway paying attention to that, that my mind doesn't wander and go think about all the possibilities of all the things. And I focus on what I need to do a lot more. So if sh you gave away my secret weapon. That's, <laughs> that's how I typically, typically I've seen that people usually run a bad movie to keep their, you know, yeah. <laughs> I can't make myself watch bad movies that often. Oh, bad okay. TV. That's... Sure. Yeah, I do have one other question though, Becky. Um, yeah. It seems like uh, kind of my observation that most people are very good at trying to come up with something creative and innovating and keep it going and keep it innovating. When they're working on something they're passionate about, right? Obviously, mm -hmm. here we're talking about your Disney, you know, interest and you know Jeff's smoking, and which we'll mm -hmm. get to. But Jeff's smoking. Uh, <laughs> is, is Jeff's that is... meat smoking. Okay, to, yeah. spoiler. I, I didn't know what that was. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Sponsored uh, by Philip Morris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to the lawyers, no, not really sponsored. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was curious. Uh, is that you see that as a prerequisite in most? If you, if you want something like innovation to be successful, right? You think there should be some amount of passion or interest or the people that are involved in developing something. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's required. It's certainly helpful. Disney isn't my life, which now that I talk about this all the time, people assume it is. My family goes to Disney once every two to three years is our average. We're not there every two weeks. I wouldn't live down there. I wouldn't work for them. But it does intrigue me. I love Disney movies. We enjoy going to the theme parks when we do go. So that does keep me engaged in the actual content itself. I think more for me, the reason I like still doing the Disney part of things is that it's parts of my skill set and things that I like to do that I don't necessarily get to do at Centric. So at Centric, I'm very focused on data strategies and road mapping and leading a practice. And none of these are incredibly technical. I never get hands on keyboard unless I'm building a PowerPoint deck. And that's awful for someone like me, right? Uh, and so Disney is where I'm coding and I'm doing the data science and I'm actually doing those technical things and I'm getting to talk about them. And then that benefits my centric work because I have more client presence and can vamp on things and help them with their Disney vacations. Uh, so it's really that balance of it lets me keep my technical side while still focusing on the things that benefit centric that aren't necessarily technical because we have other smart technical people that are doing those things. And that's what keeps me going on both because I can scratch that technical itch in different places in different ways. And you can probably take that, some of the learnings from there and apply it to other areas yep. as well, right? Yep, 100%. Awesome, awesome. Well, why don't we move over to Jeff, give him some time here. Uh, so Jeff, I am probably the only person who didn't hear your original presentation. So other than the fact that we just mentioned smoking, I know <laughs> nothing about it. So well, can you I just tell us about- smoker, but not yeah. instead of said smoking. <laughs> so before before we move to my piece, I just, I just gotta say, uh, watching Becky's presentation, and she talked about it earlier too, one of the big challenges is presenting data in a way that's useful and, uh, the complexity of that stuff. Uh, and I ended up being surprised in what I was working on, how much and how broad the the data that I was getting out of this thing was. And the, the challenge was, how do I effectively use this? And I thought that the way that Becky um, presented that was amazing. So I do appreciate that. 
um, but yeah, so so mine was mine was entire was very very different. So uh, really, this this effort came out of, and I think this is true for a lot of stuff. Necessity is the mother of invention. So um, I I like to run my my smoker. I I make barbecue uh, on a regular basis, and there are okay. There good are clarification. Lot... <laughs> yes. So so yeah. So the, the name of the presentation was actually Raspberry Barbecue, um, standing for the Raspberry Pi, which was kind of the the main the main technical engine behind things, little mini computer that ran a whole bunch of different stuff. But uh, again, the, the, the thought process behind it was, I have this hobby that I like to do, and there are certain parts about that that are kind of a pain, and how can I make my own life easier? So I think the theme there, along with making Becky's Disney experience better, um, I'm trying to make my own, my own uh, uh, running of this smoker better. What I was focused on first, was really being able to monitor it uh, more effectively and and not only um, more effectively, but from uh, further away. So anyone that has run uh, run a smoker for a long time knows that if you're you're running a big piece of meat, it's a big time commitment, and you can be running this thing for. 16 hours so it's it's not something that you can just stand next to the entire time and i'm going to go out and do do uh, errands and and do things and i want to be able to keep up with this while i was uh while i was kind of out and about so um that's that's where the the thought process around it came uh and it it was really a, an amazing journey i mean you, you never really know where um this kind of an effort's going to take you it was i didn't have a specific clean picture of what was going to happen, and I think that's the nice thing about uh, Camp IO and uh, being inspired by the the talks that you see others do, and and it's just it's a matter of kind of going out and and seeing where it goes. So it's it's um uh, it's it was an amazing journey. I mean, I, I, so we did eventually, <laughs> after a lot of work, get to a place where. I basically had a, a small mini computer that was hooked up to my smoker and it had uh, an ambient air temperature associated with it, uh, our sensor associated with it. So I knew what the temperature was kind of outside the smoker. I had a temperature that was inside the smoker that was measuring kind of the temperature of the air in the cooker itself. I had another sensor that was basically in a thermometer that was uh, put into three different pieces of meat that I was cooking within this. And it all of that allowed me to know whether I should be adding fuel, opening the vents to make things uh, warmer or colder for the overall cook temperature, um, figure out what time, um, when, when the food was gonna be ready. And then on top of all this, I, I basically was writing all of this data out to Power BI, and I created um, uh, what end, I mean, it became very app-like and something that I could just work with on my phone. So it was it was a uh, it was a fun it was a fun and fruitful exercise. I can't I can't complain. Well, I, I've got like a million questions are all about <laughs> functional requirements on this, uh, which I somehow I don't think yeah. we want to cover. But that just just so help me visualize also. So your smoker is it like you know a big like a big barrel or I have a I have a bullet smoker. So for people okay. that do this, it's a it's a uh, Smoky Mountain a Weber Smoky Mountain twenty two inch. Yeah. So the big guy, yeah. So it's it's a big bullet smoker. It's got uh, two two levels within it uh, for grill grates. So uh, the day of the the day of the presentation, and I thank Eric for allowing me to go on Friday so that I could do this on a Friday instead of during the rest of the week. I still I still contend that the only reason that I won the vote is because of recency bias, and basically everyone that was on the on the actual call had seen mine and probably hadn't seen the other four. <laughs> but anyway, no, yeah, yeah. So we've got. But, but who were you bribing so, with yeah. the results, right? No, no. He also <laughs> had live demo. Like, yeah. there are reasons he won. And it was that. so, I have to say, it was so cool when during Camp IO, you went outside to your backyard, you hit a button on the, or well, someone else had a button yeah. in the app, and it showed opening the vents on your smoker and the temperature, you know, sensor went down. I was like, 
you know, that was so cool. <laughs> so yeah, so I actually, have... so I had, I had one of our team members in Centric India that had helped me on, on a few things. So basically I was proving that you could, you could mess with this thing from anywhere in the world. <laughs> so so did you have to figure out how to make, you know, how to find sensors that first of all, you'd get them into a smoker, which usually doesn't have apertures for this sort of thing. And then you had yeah. to figure out something that wouldn't melt, right? Well, yeah. So the so there there are there are that kind of thing out there. So I had I already owned a wireless a wireless um, uh, temperature monitor, uh, but again, it had its own its own UI that you couldn't bring with you beyond Bluetooth range. So it wasn't broadcasting or writing it out anywhere. So so that piece I had, and then you do some research, and there's a lot of sensors out there. So there's the type of sensors that I bought um, were PT100, so platinum platinum sensors that are used in a lot of industrial settings. So um, some people will use them in, in kind of smaller settings. They'll be used for like the temperature on a 3D printer because the temperature gets really high. So it's, it is able to withstand temperatures up to, I think, 500 degrees Fahrenheit, something like that. So, um, so yeah, it, you go out and basically I'm buying parts off of industrial websites for mm -hmm. 15, 20 bucks here and there to, to cobble together the various pieces that I need and then wiring this up to my... $35 computer, which is this Raspberry Pi. So, oh, so yeah. then it sounds like you need to do a lot of testing to figure out, you know, you're getting data points. Yeah. But what do the data points have to do with, uh, you know, well cooked meat? Yeah. So it's fair enough. So again, this, just as an example, the cook that we did the day of the, the day of the um, presentation, I had uh, chicken in there. I had a piece of brisket in there and I had a pork butt in there. Um, I started it relatively early in the morning, did the presentation around noontime. The last piece of meat didn't come off until I want to say 8.30 that night. The pork butt took a long time, longer than I expected it to. But at that point, I was sitting in my sitting in my uh, living room watching the movie alongside my wife, <laughs> like Becky does. Um, and thankfully, I had it send me a text when it went, when it hit the, the certain temperature that it needed to. So I was warned away from my movie that I needed to go out and grab this thing. So, so yeah, right. it's, yeah. That is awesome. I guess the real question here is what inspired you to go full geek on your smoker? <laughs> um, well, so I know people do like, you know, like a big deal occurs now, it's just almost common, you know, people do home brewing a beer and stuff like that, you yeah. know, but you know, this is, it's like home brewing a beer used to be, right? This is taking everything to a whole nother level, you know? Yeah. Well, interestingly, this, the, the temperature sensor stuff, uh, there's quite a bunch of uses within the brewing space because they need to monitor the temperature of their overall uh -huh. system. So the, I, I Googled a lot and uh, through the course of this that I ended up finding finding and stealing code from people that were doing that kind of thing as well as other areas. I mean, so so why why did I do it? Like Becky said, in in my job, I'm so I am I am not a hardware person at all. So data and analytics represent so Becky and I both do DNA. So I think this was a this was a a kick to the app dev people, Eric. Ooh. <laughs> There's a there's a challenge for, for next year. year, I think. I, I was going to point that out, but I held it in. So you held it in. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're anyway. going to hold the crown next year. Yeah. Right. So so I don't do any application development. I don't do any hardware stuff ever, um, and that makes sense in terms of client work. You don't want me doing that because it's going to take me longer to figure this kind of stuff out than people that do it all the time. So this is an excuse for me to be able to learn how to make this stuff work. So it's. It is a chance, and a lot of this work for me because there were so many moving parts. It's, it's just a chance to learn how to make all of that stuff work together. It's like any one piece of those components is not overly difficult, um, but just making it all work together and and uh, orchestrate it and uh, give you an interface where you can jump around all those pieces. The, the integration side was was the fun part and something that I don't get to do in my job. So it's, it's, uh, it was just fun. All right. And, but and what's actually, next webcam? No, I, oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I, and I think one really cool thing about that is some of the best presentations we've ever had at camp IO are exactly what you said, right? People that are, 
uh, interested in just sort of dipping their toe into some different waters. And yeah. so they go out and they they have some passion project that's something that's, you know, way out there on the side. I, I, I remember uh, we had a presentation many years ago about a guy who had a deer problem in his backyard. And so mm -hmm. he built an Arduino based uh, paintball gun that would that would like fire you know, paintballs at deer in his backyard and he did a live demo uh, from his from his house. It was the absolute best, you know. Um uh, and and you know and and but we've had other more serious you know presentations that have been fantastic from people that are just you know exploring something that they just don't get to do in their day job. And that's that's another thing I just I, I love about Camp I.O. <laughs> just have yeah, I don't, to I don't wanna... that in there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I want to be able to get back to, to you, Jeff, to, to wrap up with Narendra's question. But I got to ask Erica just because of what you just said. Do you see this developing sort of arms race of people getting like how much farther can you push the envelope for Camp I.O.? Are, are you seeing, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the bar is I mean, getting pushed we, pretty high here, right? <laughs> it, it, it has. Like Jeff spent I don't know how many months on this thing. I'm yeah. like. Uh, I can't compete with that. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm used to making Camp I.O. presentations where I'll spend, you know, a couple of months over the summer evenings and weekends on some fun little side project. But, man, yeah, I, I, I uh, am not sure I have the dedication to uh, to to spend like a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and learning well, all this stuff and integrating it. So, yeah, you I, don't have to. Right. Like, you and I don't think it's really an arms don't. race. I think it really speaks to because you you pull this thread through all of the presentations and we talked about them being passion projects. We talked about them being things you don't get to do in your jade job, but really like what makes a successful Camp I.O. presentation. And I think all of them have been successful this year, at least I haven't been around very long. It's the problem solving aspect. Yeah. We all have these problems. I go to Disney and I spend a lot of money and I don't want to be miserable. <laughs> and and Jeff <laughs> wants to be able to smoke his meat, but also live his life. Uh, right. <laughs> and, and like, and Zach loved like coming up with cocktails, but it's hard to just and expensive to just mix things and not know if they're going to work. And so he figured out some AI. And again, Zach's not AI, he's RPA. And so this was new stuff to him. So it follows that same pattern of we're problem solvers. And so this just lets us do that in a creative way without the bounds of client demands. But I think that speaks really highly to the type of people centric hires and why we are so successful in our consulting work too. Like we are these problem solver mindsets that are going to creatively figure out ways to solve these problems, whether it's our client work or it's the fun stuff. This is just a really fun example of it that we get to participate in every year. So, And I can promise to anyone listening that we have never set up an automated paintball gun at a client. We've never done it. Yeah. I can say that I now understand how he went about doing that. And I probably like have the basics to be able to follow in his footsteps if I want to, just because of what I had to do for this one in terms of moving yeah. arms and doing that kind of stuff. So it's super interesting. All right. I did have one question for yeah, Jeff. So, and Eric brought this up about the time element. So there was an element of like IoT in there, data, you know, it's, it's got everything. How much time did you take in spending setting up the sensors on the cloud? How much time did you take writing the actual code versus, you know, developing some yeah. of the app, you know, <laughs> to present it's, it? So it's, it's interesting. So it's like, it depends on the piece of it. And so as I was going through, this was totally an iterative process. It's like I probably had three components in mind when I started out. And then from there, you just like, oh, it'd be nice if I could do this. So oh, it'd be nice I could, if I could do this. And as you go through those things, some of the things are easier than others. And some things that you expect to take 10, 15 minutes take two weeks, three weeks. So I, I struggled with authentication around uh, from using Python to get into the Power BI application for literally a month <laughs> on just probably three weekends that I worked on it and, and couldn't get through it until I finally figured out it was just a permissioning issue that wasn't documented very well. I mean, some of the basics on the on the the first sensor that I got took me five minutes to set it up. There was a there's a YouTube video that's out there that does exactly what I was trying to do, and I followed it, and it was easy. <laughs> 
But then there was other other pieces that were super hard. So there was the the more expensive sensors. There was actually soldering involved, uh, where you had to buy this little conver converter board and then solder it to it. And I am not a person that solders. Um, luckily, so I ru I ruined two boards, and then uh, I'm lucky enough to have a a friend who's uh, who works at Nvidia and had does that like basically for a living and i went over to his house about two weeks before the the presentation and got him to do it for me so <laughs> it's it just depends it was it was a big time commitment but like becky said if you're enjoying it it's it's it is your fun time so it's okay <laughs> yeah yeah i've been sort of wrapping and you know see if anyone's getting final thoughts i'll just throw in here that uh i mean the problem solving i think that's one of the things that goes through as a thread, as Becky said, uh, through most of Centric. You know, we, we want to solve problems. That's what's most exciting, exciting to us, you know, seeing results, seeing creative, creative solutions. And that, you know, Brian Sador and I often talk from an innovation standpoint that innovation, over the last 20 years, innovation became what has to be disruptive, right? We have to be creating, you know, you have to be creating Uber, it's not innovation. Now, innovation can be really small, you know, delivery, creativity can be really small. I mean, my my contribution to this sort of thing is a couple of weeks ago I got my doorbell to work, you know, after living in this house for a year, you know, and and yes, it doesn't sound like much, but you know, baby steps, right? It's absolutely <laughs> it was, it was so, a thing. Another thing last week, my wife has had this dresser for I don't know 20, 25 years. Great dresser. She managed to pull the bottom drawer out, but she couldn't get it back in, and it was very frustrating. It's like, okay, is this you know, do you want to throw out a dresser because you can't get the drawer back in? It's like that seems sort of silly. Well, eventually, I figured, uh, you know, I, I did some problems, realized that the rails had to be screwed back in. They'd been loosening over the last 20 years, yeah. right? So I came back, and not only was that drawer in, but two other drawers that had been sticking were magically fixed. So it's like, yes, I'm I'm awesome, right? But it's a, it's that sort of rush you can get from being part of a, from solving a problem, you know, sort of sometimes having to go, uh, you know, with lateral thinking, right? Not yeah. the brute force of I'm going to jam this stupid drawer in, but why isn't the drawer working, right? It came out of here. Must go back in. What's not right, right? Right. So, so just to to add to that a little bit, I know Eric talked about some. We do have some presentations that come out that are truly working on bleeding edge tech, edge technology. So Donnie's Donnie's presentation uh, last year was unbelievable, um, and highly recommend looking at that if uh, you you have access to it. On the stuff that I'm working on, I don't think I used a technology that was uh, newer than six, seven, eight, nine years ago. <laughs> it's just a matter of kind of putting it all together. It was all new to me, <laughs> right? Um, and but the 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 components, the components to do the vast majority of what you're trying to do already exist out there. Um, some of the the new bleeding edge stuff allows you to do it in different ways and better ways. Um, but there's a ton to learn out there that that already exists, and just getting that wider wider horizon of understanding what's possible is hugely valuable, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So innovation isn't always bleeding edge. It's putting right. existing things together in ways that you haven't thought of before or someone else hasn't thought of before. And like to Jeff's point earlier, Googling, like what, what have <laughs> other people done similar to this in the past? No joke. I legitimately ask people that I interview for my practice how they Google things because that's one of the most important skills yeah. that you need to have because we live in a world where everything's been tried before. But how do you know how to search for the right things to help you tweak it that much to do what you need to do is a huge part of it. So I don't think innovation is as like big and scary as people think it is. It's yeah. more like putting a puzzle together than making a puzzle from scratch. Yeah. Fun little anecdote around that. So as I told you earlier, I managed to ruin a couple of uh, chips and there was a while where I thought I wasn't going to be able to use, before I got the, the help from my friend, I thought I wasn't going to be able to use those at all. So I ended up buying um, a different, uh, basically a 433 megahertz uh, receiver so that I could uh, basically ingest the um, the signal from my existing wireless um, uh, sensor into my solution. And in the process of doing that work, I again was Googling and found online somebody that had written an entire um, set of code around doing exactly what I was trying to do. All of the notes were in German, <laughs> but uh, 
but it allowed me to to kind of get in and steal all of that code and just basically wire it up against the rest of my stuff. So it, every the answer is probably out there. There's a lot of smart people in the world, so it's just a matter of trying to find find it and modify it to to your use case. So Eric, just let's wrap up with you. Camp.io, another success this year. What are you going to do for next year? Oh, gosh. So we're already having a lot of discussions about next year. So next year, we're going to be back in person unless there's some cataclysmic event that happens, another cataclysmic event that happens. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, uh, but yeah, we've we, we've already started talking about it. I don't want to spoil too many secrets yet, but we're, we're you know, definitely talking about things that we may uh, bring back or things that we may do differently. One, one thing in particular that we want to do is see if we can do something uh, for our India counterparts because, mm -hmm. you know, an in-person event, again, we, we can't really fly 600 people, uh, you know, uh, to the U.S. Uh, for a day. That doesn't really work very well. So, you know, how can we organize some sort of uh, similar events uh, in India? Uh, you know, we're, we're just starting discussions around that. So, so no, no concrete, uh, you know, plans yet. Apart from just we know we want to do something there. Uh, but, but there's there's other things also that we that we want to do. We want to expand our planning team uh, and get get a, a wider variety of, of voices on there. And, are you looking uh, for volunteers? By the way, do you, do you yes, want to put that absolutely. call out there? Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. We are looking for volunteers. In fact, there's going to be a message going out on, uh, I think, either the Camp.io or General Tech channel here soon, I think, in the next two, three weeks. So, um, yes, we are definitely looking for, for people who are, you know, interested in this sort of thing, including people actually who've never been to Camp.io. We'd love to hear, you know, voices of what you would like to see out of an event like this, uh, as well as people who have been to, you know, Camp.io before and have and, and enjoy participating in this sort of uh, thing and planning it, which, which I've had a lot of fun with, as you can tell from my silly video. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm just about to hit the unrecord or stop recording button. Anyone else have any last thoughts, anything to leave us with? Yeah, I just wanted to say one thing. Um, so after attending my first Camp I.O. last year, I thought I was inspired to do something. But certainly after doing this, watching Becky's and Jeff's and Zach's, I'm truly inspired to come out with something the geek in me wants to come out. So hopefully I can present in one of the camp aisles. And <laughs> absolutely. And I've actually, some... <laughs> I, I, I would I would echo that and say, like, the only reason that camp IO is a worthwhile use of anyone's time is because of the people that come and volunteer and present and spend, you know, <laughs> part of their summer doing something cool and fun and amazing, like like Jeff and Becky, you know, and, and then presenting it in front of a friendly audience. Uh, it's it's really not, it, you know, it's it's a great place to kind of practice your presentation skills, you know, and then you like one thing you can do, I know I've done this, uh, is take your camp IO presentation, then go go uh, uh, recycle it at, at conferences and user groups and, and things like that. So, so, you know, we, we also definitely are, are always seeking presenters for camp IO. So 2023 camp IO, if you're listening, <laughs> Definitely. I've, I've heard some good ideas from some people already, so I, I hope that they take the time to to chase those down to fruition and and present them because I, I want to see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I just want to throw out one other other thing of you know Camp IO sounds like a big deal. People talking we're talking about projects people worked on for you know in some cases probably literally years of uh, of different effort, but there's something I don't know for some reason it seems like a college age kid thing right now because my my daughter's been doing this and knows other people doing this is occasional powerpoint nights have you guys heard about anyone doing this okay no. becky has yeah well it depends i've heard this probably is very different than what you're about to say uh powerpoint karaoke if you haven't done powerpoint karaoke as a consultant uh let me encourage you to do that someone comes up with uh 
a s number of decks, all the same number of slides, and then participants don't see the decks, and they each and get they five minutes, it. and they have to present whatever comes up on the slide. Oh. Uh, it was huh. really good at building sort of flexibility and thinking on your oh, feet. So that's clever. <laughs> so yeah, the 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 PowerPoint nights that I've been hearing about are where someone will, you know, just sort of again a passion project, something they're interested in, do a PowerPoint presentation, share it with, you know, with friends on. You know, Teams, Zoom, whatever. <clears throat> I think my my daughter keeps bringing out her fifty page deck on Watergate. So that's an intense one. I have uh, two weeks ago, one of my friends who is a UX designer for another company gave us a Friday lunch and learn on Taylor Swift, and it was a fifty slide presentation on Taylor Swift. So, yeah, yeah so more yeah. fun than just Watergate. Lots of ways but, to be out there and yeah. uh, you know uh, sharing your passions. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well. You know, it's funny because I, you know, we have some folks who spend like Jeff, like a, a practically a year, you know, doing stuff and then present about it. But I remember, I think one year I won the the prize at Camp IO uh, for a talk on, I don't know, what was it, the five and a half types of developer or something like that, which I spent like a week on. <laughs> and and there was no technology involved. It was like entirely soft skills. It's it all about, types, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, like it's not, so, so, you know, it, it's not, doesn't have to be a, a, a giant time commitment either. So, yeah, I, I remember last year, was it Jim Holmes did one on basically his experience with learning how to do weightlifting. Yep. All right. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap it up here because otherwise we'll just keep talking and we're all going to miss lunch <laughs> and client meetings. So this has been fabulous. Uh, thank you so much for participation, all of you. This has been great. I am inspired to do something with Camp.io. I don't know what I would do. So maybe I'll just plan to attend. That's <laughs> no, yes. you can definitely want to be there in person for everything. So yeah, you could present about Taylor Swift or Watergate. Right. Oh, yeah. Do a, a tag team presentation with your dog. Wait a minute. A mashup. Taylor Swift and Watergate, you know? Oh, <laughs> Swiftgate, yeah. Swiftgate, Swiftboat. We did, oh, no. <laughs> no, but I do, I think, I mean, Campo is a very technical, this is post-recording, I'm assuming. Oh, you're still recording. But, oh, I'm still recording, uh, this but is I can edit aside. this out. Yeah. Camp.io, like, is a technical conference, get it? But I think there is space and we should, the softer topics can hit really hard too and be really helpful. I... So I went as a stretch for myself. I applied to speak at a daily streaming conference in Austin at the beginning of October. I was like, this will force me to learn Kafka. It'll be great. Spoiler alert, didn't have time to learn Kafka. So I had applied to this conference and I ended up making the talk be uh, how to why can't the business get behind streaming? And so talking about how to get technical people to shift the way they're communicating, put themselves in the business's shoes. Right. And the feedback I got from that talk, the least technical talk I've ever done, was huge. I had like six people reach out to me on LinkedIn a week after, within the week after the conference, talking about how it was the most useful. And like, I made all these networking connections. So I think the more we can take sort of the technical and spin it just a little bit to like get it to apply to more people, whether it's Campio or elsewhere, I think that's where the real yeah. cool stuff is. That's so. right. This has been Couch Convo's Centric Biz and Tech Talks. Thanks to Eric, Becky, and Jeff for joining us today, and to Narendra for co-hosting with me. And thank you for listening. <laughs>